Wednesday, August 10th, and we have a lot to dive into today. We have a rookie ladder. I'm really excited about that on JustBaseball.com. It's the call-up. We have so many things to talk about from the call-up of Kerry Carpenter, also Von Grissom, and then we're going to go through this entire rookie ladder. Jack, you spearheaded that article with the rookie ladder, so if anybody has a problem with the rankings that we're going to go through here, um, it, it was all you. Yeah, um, I just want to say notice who's first when the authors are listed here, because uh, that really tells you the power ranking of the authors that wrote mm-hmm. this thing. Uh, Jack McMullen and one other when you're on the homepage, which yep. turns into Jack McMullen, comma, Aram Layton. I was hoping to possibly make the A and the L lowercase just to show that I'm that much better than you. But it, it, It's uh, like your seat's slightly higher than mine. Yeah, just a little bit. Like it's the Phil Jackson at the end of his... Uh, Nick's tenure, he's got the elevated seat cushion because he doesn't want his knees to bend that bad. That's me with that. Um, But yeah, I mean, so I initially put together these rankings and I think you only had two qualms. Yeah. And um, one was swapping three and four and the other was swapping 10 with one of our honorable mentions. And we'll get to those. Um, (laughs) I texted you back uh, the honorable mention that we swapped out from the 10 spot. I said is an ERA merchant. Uh, So a lot of the underlying metrics uh, point to the guy that we do have 10. uh, But one of the honorable mentions does have a 303 ERA. Yeah, no, it shows you how much young talent is making its way through the big leagues right now. Baseball, we've talked about it. I mean, this podcast is based on it, right? There is just so much, so much high-end talent, impactful talent. Rookies that are, you know, playing a huge part in in playoff races are one and two, are two rookies that are integral parts of two teams that are really making a push to make the postseason. And now we're seeing some teams, especially the Braves, be more aggressive with some of their prospects. Michael Harris, who we'll get to, is obviously on the top 10, gets the bump up from double. And now Von Grissom, who barely even played in double, gets the bump up as well. And Grissom's been phenomenal this year. Uh, We're going to talk about Carpenter and Grissom's promotions, and then we'll get into the top 10. But it's been pretty amazing to see what Grissom's done. This is a guy that I was very excited to write about in our top 100 update and really break that down uh, as to what he has put together this year and what we can expect from him moving forward. Yeah. I was shocked to see him promoted. I'll be honest, Jack, and I'm here for it. I'm here for a player getting aggressively promoted anytime. I'll take that over service time manipulation any day of the week, but 22 games above the high a level for the 21 year old Grissom. I know that they were aggressive with a Michael Harris. I think it's a little bit different. I'm a little nervous for Grissom, but if he struggles and you send him back down, it's not the end of the world. Clearly the Braves are not too worried about how that would affect his development or anything like that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. And I think that they saw that they were successful with Michael Harris. And I think that they knew that the, the glove was going to plug in in center and be an immediate factor. Yes. That has been the case. I didn't know if the Braves were expecting Michael Harris to be an 800 OPS guy. As soon as he got here, my thought would be no. My thought would be he would be a 700 OPS guy, but he's an 800 OPS guy. So maybe he feels like Vaughn Grissom, uh, Alex Anthopoulos, maybe he feels like Vaughn Grissom is cut from a very similar cloth to that of Michael Harris, where he might not need finishing school of AAA baseball in Gwinnett. He was ready to go to AAA. He was hitting 312 in Rome at high A, gets the bump up 22 games in double. He got better. OPS up 30 points, batting average up about 40 points. I mean, it was incredible what Von Grissom was doing this year. 
And it's not like this was a one-off out of nowhere year. Hit 288 in uh, in pro ball his first year in 2019. 2020, alt-site, apparently impressed with the alt-site. 2021, hit 319 across low and high A. And then so far this year, hitting 324, uh, right? Yep. Uh, in 96 games across high A and double. So all he's done is hit. He's got some sneaky pop. He can run like the wind. He can play all over. He can play all over. I This is as valuable a bench bat as you've got coming up for a postseason push. Don't forget to 27 for 32 on stolen bases. And that was something even at the double A level, he, he was on a even better pace in terms of swiping bags. So it wasn't just a guy that was taking advantage of, you know, lower level catchers and pitchers and uh, whatever it may be. This is a guy that can swipe bags. So he's going to give you positional versatility, bat to ball speed, you know, be an impactful guy on the bases. I do wonder how much he's going to impact offensively um, because this is a very aggressive hitter. So was Michael Harris, though. So that is worth noting. But Grissom swings even more uh, at this point. Chase rate's pretty high. He's one of those high-end hit tool guys who's going to swing at everything, um, which works. But, you know, that can get exploited a bit more at the big league level. So I'm interested to see. But uh, clearly the Braves have a lot of confidence in what they've got going on at the big league level in terms of, you know, their hitting coaches, who they have out there to to really help work with Grissom. And I think that's a big factor in this as well. Uh, They're not expecting him to do anything crazy. He's going to learn a lot from extremely talented players all around him. And I'm very interested to see how it goes. But, you know, Michael Harris set the bar pretty high and we'll get into that in a second. But it's kind of a different situation for Kerry Carpenter, who yes. yeah, we were kind of just waiting when we were going to see Kerry Carpenter pulled up because he's come out of nowhere to a degree. But at the same time, like he was fine last year. It's just are we going to talk about a 102 WRC plus guy as a 23 year old in you know, double A? No, uh, I'm sure Tigers fans were aware of him and thought he could be maybe a piece down the line. But until you hit 30 home runs in 97 games, you know, guys are just not going to be on the radar when they're not top end draft picks and, you know, don't have anything too super flashy. He was a 19th round pick in 2019 uh, as an outfielder. And look, he's clearly figured something out in the upper levels. I, I don't think you can really negate anything that he's doing right now. And perhaps the most impressive thing about Kerry Carpenter is he was striking out 28% of the time in double. Um, and he had 22 home runs and he was still hitting 304 because he was just barreling everything. But Jack, I mean, you're in triple A right now. You see a lot of players make the leap up to triple. Yeah. How often do you see guys half their strikeout rate after being promoted? Because in 34 games, he's done just that. And the power has not taken any hit. Yeah, I mean, you see less electric stuff in triple probably than in double. Like double, the best stuff is probably there. But the best pitchers in minor league baseball are in triple A. So while they may not have the Taj Bradley fastball and, you know, the the disgusting slider or curveball, what they do know how to do and what you do get to triple A to learn how to do is locate all your best pitches and throw them in the right count. So you've got the smartest pitchers and the best pitchers in minor league baseball at the AAA level. And seeing what Kerry Carpenter did, saw him for a whole week with Toledo when the Indians went there a couple weeks ago. Uh, It's funny, I'm seeing uh, number one and number two in minor league baseball in home runs uh, over the last three weeks. And Kerry Carpenter last week, and then uh, Moises Gomez so far this week (laughs) uh, with Memphis. So you believe her now? I don't know yet. We'll see. <laughs> Give me five more games. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kerry Carpenter, 
I didn't see his swing last year. What I noticed this year is he's got almost no leg kick. Did he have a leg kick last year? Because he is literally toe tap and go, and he's got a lot of juice in there. Brother, I can't even pretend I was watching Kerry Carpenter last year. Yeah, I can't who pretend. Was? I have no idea. I'll do a dive on that because I would love to to give Kerry Carpenter a little bit more airtime. And I was actually planning on on doing a dive because he was going to be in our top 100 update, right? I mean, you, you can't not have this guy in the top yeah. 100 update because he's legitimately been the best hitter in the minor leagues. But I, I would I would venture to say that he probably ha- did have a leg kick before and toned things down. That's usually the thing that that comes together here for guys that were big swing and miss guys that, you know, and not that he was a huge swing and miss guy, but clearly has cut that down a ton. What else is interesting is that he's walking much more frequently now too. So strikeouts are down, walks are up, power has not been impacted whatsoever. Left-handed hitter who can hit lefties as well, at least to a decent clip. Yeah. This guy could be a really good big league bat. And it's crazy because he's not, he's just about to turn 25. He might be the best bat the rest of the way that the Tigers have. Uh, In terms of production, in terms of production, who's going to be more productive the rest of the season for them? Oh, rest of the way. Um, I'm saying like, I I think when we look at it, the the rest of the way here, who's going to be a more productive bat for them? I have no idea. Riley Green, maybe. Maybe, but like, that's it. Baez is not going to be. Yeah, I mean, Baez's season is already a wash. Um, Yeah, I mean, what was really impressive about seeing Kerry Carpenter, you know, he hit 304 in double and he gets up, plays 34 games in triple, hit 331. And he entered that week hitting, I want to say like 370 or something over his first 22, 23 games in AAA. And and I went into this like, this has to be fluky. Yeah, And it did normalize a little bit, like a a teensy bit. I think he had an 0 for 4 day in game two, but the 0 for 4 day was still loud. That's what Kerry Carpenter does. He is more dialed in than like really anyone that I've ever seen before right now. And you got to capitalize especially if you are as bad an offensive team as the Detroit Tigers, you got to capitalize on a guy that is zeroed in and seeing everything like a beach ball. Yep. And, and let's see what he can do. I'm, I'm excited to kind of find out. Um, and he makes the Tigers a little bit more interesting. And uh, we know that they need some outfield help at the moment. Uh, they went out and, you know, moved a couple guys and their other guys have not looked great this year. So they could use a pop-up prospect like this, like Gary Carpenter, who's really, broke out this season yeah let's get into the rookies now and i'm really excited to go through this should we start from 10 or start from one um or start from the honorable mentions yeah let's run through the honorable mentions you want me to walk us through them just alphabetically yeah let's just fly through the honorable mentions real quick perfect um well brock burke was the first one a reliever for the texas rangers and burke in 36 appearances has a 1-1-1 era um he was a starter that kind of failed that all yep. of a sudden has turned into one of the better bullpen arms in all of baseball. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is somebody that was probably right on the border. I, the, for really the only reason that we don't have him in there is, is I just, I'm going to lean on the side of a starter that with a mid three ZRA uh, as a rookie, because that's so freaking hard to do. Clearly Brock Burke couldn't do it. <laughs> and now he goes to the bullpen. If you put any of those starters in the bullpen, I think many of them could be very dominant. That doesn't take away what, from what Brock Burke is doing. And he has really leaned into that reliever role. Fastball has gone up three miles per hour. Jack, the slider is up five miles per hour. That's nasty. Um, you're seeing the strikeout rate nearly triple. Uh, the guy's figured out how to be a good bullpen arm, and I expect it to continue. 
Yeah, and, and think about the transition that we saw Matt Brash make within this season. Came up, walked a billion guys, went down, figured it out as a setup man, and threw two scoreless innings in that phenomenal game on Tuesday night for Seattle, and he was painting 99 to end the 12th inning. So I that's what Brash can do. That's kind of what Brock Burke is doing right now, too. He Brash could be Brock Burke, but better, which is crazy. Brash could be the, one of the best relievers in the game with, yes. with that slider. So I'm very excited to see what that looks like. And uh, speaking of sliders, that kind of brings us to the next guy, right? Yeah, Reed Detmers. Um, this guy was dead in the water uh, midway through this season. I mean, despite the no-hitter, like he was one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball. He and last year. Figure- and last year, he needed to figure something out, and it felt like a very over-aggressive you know, promotion last year to have him in the bigs. Um, it felt like you know, maybe he could have used a couple more minor league starts this year because he was so quick. Remember, he was a 2020 draftee, and he debuted for a handful of starts in 2021 and broke camp with the Angels in 2022. That doesn't happen. Detmers was outmatched, and then he discovered that slider. Yeah. And that's, that's the pitch, right? I mean, since he went back down to the minors and then came up, you know, five starts ago, he tweaked the slider to, to be sharper, more horizontal break. And it's just been devastating. I mean, we, we've known that the fastball has always been good, but the problem is if that's your only pitch that you really trust, guys will hit it. We know that. Look at Hunter Green, right? So Detmers has a great fastball. He just didn't have something working off of it. Now the slider tunnels elite with it. And and the guy's had a 116 ERA with 38 Ks over his last five starts. That's dynamite. And I think this is going to continue. Not to a 116 clip, but I think he's going to continue to dominate guys with that slider. 100%. Next honorable mentions Brendan Donovan with the Cardinals. I was not expecting Brendan Donovan to be on this list ahead of this year. But the guy's got a, a what, a 401 OBP right now? Yep. How's he doing it? It's funny, man, because he's another guy that like I, I had the same reaction. Now, kind of dug back and looked at all of his minor league seasons. He's never had a bad year. He's never even had a year where he was average. He's one of those players that I think nothing jumps off the page, so we overlook them, right? It's it's the Ty France effect to a degree, except yeah. the difference with Donovan is he can play everywhere. Yes. What, what floored me the most is he's played six different positions this year. Yeah, and, and he's been such a good bat, surprisingly. He's actually played seven if you want to count the DH. Uh, he's He's been – Unbelievable. And I think it's going to continue to a degree. I don't know if he's going to be a 401 OBP guy, but I think the Cardinals found their super utility guy in the future. I, I think so too. Um, and naturally what you're telling me is looking back and a guy that's just successful, successful at every level. Sometimes um, those guys pan out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, next year we're probably talking about Ryan Noda and Ryan Ward in this yeah. case, right? With the with the uh Dodgers. Have you seen what Ryan Ward is doing in uh double A right now? crushing he's got 29 pumps again he had like 30 pumps last year in high a same story with noda the guys hit at every level yeah it's and just we just so kind of ignore them there's certain guys that we just refuse to give attention to which and is carpenter so was in that department too yeah maybe we should start doing that like just as a collective unit at just baseball maybe we should start talking about the guys that are just good in that, minor that league hit baseball. well yeah yeah even though they're Instead not on of like roster. flashy tools yeah, yeah. Just hit well the, i'm kind of in on object that. of the game you know yeah, I mean, how about flashy prospect, though? Yoan Duran was a top 100 guy as a starter. He has turned into a guy who, if you had to set the potential for him, is like 2022 Edwin Diaz. Like, mm-hmm. this guy's possibility, his 100th percentile outcome is like 
18 strikeouts per nine, like what Diaz is doing right now. He's sitting 101 with his four-seam fastball. He's got that 98-mile-an-hour splinker, which is what makes pitching ninja all the time. But it's not either of those pitches that are the best one. Opponents are hitting, what, 104 against his curveball with like a 120 expected batting average. The curveball's nasty, and he's got 101 and a splinker in his back pocket. He's reminding me a bit of Chapman in the, you know, our oldest Chapman when he first debuted that splitter in the early parts of last year. And we're like, oh my gosh, this guy's a cheat code. And then he fell off. Um, But like the fact that he can hit you with three different pitches as a closer is is insane. And then the VLO being triple digits easily is is just a joke. Uh, The twins, he's been a big part of their success. I think, you know, that's a guy that it's really easy to overlook how much a reliever can impact a team, but I think he's been a huge part of what they're doing. 100%. Uh, Nolan Gorman is the next one for the Cardinals. I, I know you had your concerns about him. I personally had my concerns about him. Sticking him in a platoon role where he doesn't have to face left-handed pitching has been exceptional for him. Mm-hmm. He's got 12 homers in 63 games. He jumped out with like 10 bombs right away in AAA, and he kept on knocking and knocking and knocking and ringing the doorbell, and finally he was allowed in, and he's succeeded so far. Yeah, you know, this is somebody that I thought would struggle at the big league level, and I think protecting him from lefties has been huge, uh, as you mentioned, and he's thriving in his role which is exactly what the Cardinals need. They're in win now mode, and he's actually helping the Cardinals win now uh, with how they have used him. The power's off the charts. Obviously, you want him to become a more complete hitter in the future, but the fact that they can do this with him now, and I'm sure he's still learning a ton in the meantime from some decent players on his team, like Paul Goldschmidt, Albert Pujols, and others, uh, I think this is great for his development to be up there, helping them win, and also still being protected from the things that we know he still can't quite do yet. Yep, 100%. Uh, Next one, AL Central, catcher slash outfielder, MJ Melendez. (laughs) I saw MJ playing the corners um, a couple times in triple at the beginning of this year, and I was like, what's going on here? Like he's come on. He's a, he's a catcher DH, right? No, he's, he's playing right. He's playing left. He is playing a lot of places. You know why? He's got 13 pumps in 78 games. 41 last year, led the minor leagues. The bat is unbelievable. He's now catching because Salvador Perez is is on the shelf. The, the, the catching is maybe not as good as we were hoping uh, out of the gate in terms of uh, a lot of the advanced metrics, but I think catch and throw wise and uh, blocking wise, he's been fine. The fact that this guy can play the outfield too, though, really hedges that concern if, if he doesn't develop the way we're hoping behind the dish. The bat is unbelievable. He's going to continue to get better in the contact department and the OBP department. I think he's proven that in the minors, but 13 home runs, like you said, already out of the gate is pretty damn impressive. So one of his teammates is on this list, uh, but there are a couple others that aren't. Nick Prado, Vinny Pasquantino. I mean, Michael Massey's up right now too. Kyle Isbell is up right now too. All of a sudden, after the deadline and after a pretty crappy deadline, the Royals are kind of a fun offense to watch because they're so young and they love each other. They love each other. That's for sure. You can really see how much fun they have. And from social media to obviously in person and on the field, if they can find some pitching, man, they'll be good. It's just, that's the concern quite obviously. Yeah. And you know, like they're, they're still bad right now and and their future outlook is still bad because they are not addressing pitching. Like you're saying, but 
they can be fun. Like there have been fun teams that are bad. And right now they're a fun team that's bad with the potential to be good. If any of these pitchers work out one of their, one or two of these pitchers can pan out. Uh, I know Brady singers showing some signs of life, but they've got to go out and get some guys. Uh, And if they, but at least they've got the core bats. So they're they're They've got one side of things covered for sure. hundred percent, man. Next one, Andre Palante. He was previously at 10 when I put these rankings together. Um, And then we said, you know what? Like there's probably another starting pitcher that should be at 10. Palante's been awesome. A 303 ERA in 86 innings. 395 FIP because you wanted to mention the the ERA immersion. Now he's been great. Um, He's been a Swiss Army knife for them. Swing man that has has been great in the relief appearances, has made competitive starts for them when they need. But, you know, if we're going to dock relievers, we got to dock half of Palante here because what what is it? Ten starts? Yeah, 19, 19 relief appearances, 10, ten starts. starts. So, you know, it, it, again, Palante, I think if he's in the rotation for all 19 appearances, probably has a, a an ERA above four because he doesn't have a pitch that really is plus, but he mixes up three pitches well. He throws strikes and he gets a ton of ground balls. This should be a solid swing man for them. Kind of like the pitching version of Brandon Donovan. He's going to be valuable for them for a while, but no one's really going to be paying that much attention to him. Yeah. Uh, I, I think first time we put together this rookie rankings list, Joe Ryan was number one. Joe <laughs> Ryan is now an honorable mention just because he hasn't been able to stay on the mound for that long. Yeah, you know, I think he had COVID and then he had a comebacker and maybe there was one other injury in between and and also a couple blow up starts. And that's what you're going to get with a guy that throws his fastball 60 percent of the time, because yeah. when the fastball location isn't there, if he's missing middle middle, he's going to get crushed. And um, it's not like it's ninety nine either. No. It's it's low 90s. It's just one of those invisibles. You know, it, it's yeah. like Nestor Cortez with that just ridiculous induced vertical break deception built in. And that's why Joe Ryan's going to be a good starter for a long time. I think he's going to be exactly what his numbers look like right now for a long time. Um, you, you subtract, and I know you can't really do that, but if you subtract the 10 earned run outing, which I'm just surprised they even left him in that long. If you subtract the 10 earned run outing against the Padres, his ERA is probably what? Closer to, to the high twos, low threes. So again, you can't just play that game because the start does count, but I, I do think he's been pretty consistent otherwise in limiting damage. The fastball is good. The secondaries are good enough. I think he'll be a good middle of the rotation starter for a long time. Number four at worst. Yeah. Next one is Seiya Suzuki. And Suzuki was the odds on favorite with O'Neill Cruz to win the NL rookie of the year <laughs> at the beginning of this year. Um, both those things haven't turned out according to plan. Uh, say, uh, you mentioned in the article that he struggles with breaking balls. He's struggling with off speed too. You look at fastballs. He's hitting three Oh five against him. Two Oh three against breaking balls and one thirty three against changeups. He's just, he's crushing fastballs. And that's really what he's made his, his success on this year is, is crushing fastballs. Uh, obviously the reports out to a degree, but also this is a rookie. I know, I know he's different than other rookies because he's an international free agent who put up good numbers, uh, you know, elsewhere, but this is still a rookie and this is a different game stateside. This is, it's just different. It's harder. Uh, I think he's shown a lot of good things and I think Cubs fans should still be very excited about say Suzuki's future. The power is already shown to be there. He's also been banged up this year. Uh, So we have to give him some, some, you know, a benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. And we're not done talking about Cubs either, which should make Cubs fans very happy about that. Uh, Alec Thomas is the last honorable mention, the outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Chicagoland native. We know how good Alec Thomas can be and will be. And he's been pretty good this year, just not a top 10 guy. 
Yeah, I mean, the defense has been even better than I thought. Uh, like, I thought he was going to be a really solid center fielder who could play plus defense in the corners. He's been a plus defensive center fielder. The bat, you know, is is has been fine. Uh, I think you're hoping it'll be better. But the fact that he's already hit eight home runs and has shown the ability to spray it all over the field, this is somebody that's going to be a good player for a long time. I think he's going to be a three to four win player for a very long time. He's already a 1.5 win player in 78 games this year. Um, he's he's high floor and we're kind of just seeing that, but there's still more room in the ceiling and he's going to get there. Yeah. Uh, notable omissions before we get to the top 10, notable omissions of guys that we think can become stars that just have not been good in their rookie year and they aren't on this list. The three that jumped to my mind are uh, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green and O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. I, I mean... I, I don't think much has changed for me on on Riley Green. I think he's he's already shown flashes. I it's just almost bad hitting by association, right? Right. Yeah. Now. I really, I really do think that impacts a rookie coming up into that situation. Uh, same with Torkelson, but you know Torkelson's a, obviously a bit more concerning. Yes. Um, O'Neill Cruz can be just fine too. I think he's already shown us plenty of flashes. It's really just consistency. You know that as well as anybody. Um, all three of those guys I think are going to be just fine, but we're, we're not here to, this isn't prospect rankings. We're, we're ranking rookie performances this year and those guys just haven't made the cut. Which is also why green and Lodolo are not on this list. Lodolo, if we checked in maybe in a month or two could push his way into this list. You could make the case for him to be an honorable mention um, because I think he's been really good as of late. But again, I think it's just more of, there's so many other guys doing great things right now. Um, less of an indictment on those guys. Yeah, 100%. You want to walk us through the top 10? Let's start with 10. Number 10 on the list is George Kirby uh, of the Seattle Mariners. 15 starts, 79 and thirds innings, 3-4 ERA, 3-6 FIP. He struck out 81. He's walked only 11. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the George Kirby story plenty, right? Everybody knows this is a guy that really saw the stuff tick up, walked nobody at Elon or on the Cape, was more of a closer on the Cape, which is yeah. fun because he – to me is one of the safest rotation guys ever. If you look at him being optioned down, it was more of an innings thing, had nothing to do with performance. They're trying to keep this guy fresh for the entire year so that they can use him in the postseason. He's a big part of what they're doing. And George Kirby is going to be a good number two for a long time. So there are not, uh, there are a lot of things that you and I don't do well. Um, like I, I would say we're overall very flawed individuals, right? Uh, yeah, that's um, fair. Yeah, I would agree with that. One thing that I think we do do well is we watch baseball from an objective lens where we don't necessarily pick guys that we particularly love. We like watching good performances and we note bad performances. Now, full transparency, watching George Kirby has become one of my favorite things yeah. to do. No, it, he's he's a guy that I've I've worn that one, man. Like I I'm biased on George Kirby. Same with same with Brennan Davis. When he comes back, it's the same story. And anyone that's been listening to this podcast since it was locked on MLB prospects knows I've been just screaming about George Kirby for like four years now. So I'm always going to be biased. But at the, at the same point, he's made it easy on us. He hasn't exposed us as being biased because he's been as good as we've hoped. You love watching George Kirby. You wrote an unbelievable piece on it, um, which again is, is linked in the article just about how George Kirby is great for baseball because he throws strikes, he works quick, but he still has the fun stuff that people love to see, right? I had friends in South Florida that weren't big baseball fans, but loved watching Jose pitch because the slider did crazy stuff. 
Like that's literally what they'd say. Be like, whoa, that pitch is crazy. I like watching that. Like George Kirby is more of the electric fastball, but it's still, there's so much life on everything he throws while throwing strikes that it gives you the best of both worlds. And we're seeing the results. And I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I think he's going to keep getting better and better. You can take anybody to the ballpark. This is my thought. You can take anybody to the ballpark and they will find something to be intrigued by. What they won't be intrigued by is walks. I promise. Nobody Nobody is going to like walks. Nobody's going to like a 3-2 pitch that just gets away from the pitcher and misses off the corner. What people will always like, and it doesn't matter what school of thought you have in the realm of baseball, when you look up at the radar gun and you see 101 miles an hour from a tall, skinny kid that's pitching into the sixth inning, you pay attention. And And this is that guy. A hundred percent. The last thing I'll say is you can just really appreciate somebody that can pinpoint where they want to put the baseball from 60 feet, six inches away. Um, You know, that's whether you know the game of baseball or not, you can just appreciate it from that point. It's almost like archery. You know, it's just, it's just impressive. Um, And that's why the the secondary stuff is ticking up though. I'm, I'm getting more impressed with his ability to command it. If he can get that, you know, slider just a bit with a bit more bite, it's game over. It's really it over. And I think, I think he's going to get there. I really do. Uh, number nine is a Chicago cup who I, I, we talk about guys that really popped up this year. Christopher Morrell popped up this year and I took it with a grain of salt. I did. I was, I was a little bit slower to come around on Morrell. Um, I'm a believer. Now this guy has one of the best arms in baseball from the outfield. He's a great defender in center. He can play all over, though. You can play him at third if you wanted to also. Um, He can run well. He's got crazy raw power that he's starting to tap into. And the approach is much improved. This guy made major swing adjustments. That was what really sold me looking at the old swing versus the new. He is, you mentioned in the article, eerily similar to Javier Baez when he was with the Cubs, but much more under control would be the, the caveat. Like I add to that is he seems like he's further ahead of what Javier Baez was in terms of, of the maturity sides of things to the baseball. You know, I, I don't know if he's quite as, as talented as a hitter because I still think Javier Baez has the ability to be one of the most talented hitters in baseball. He yeah. obviously holds himself back in a lot of ways. Morrell is already kind of around that learning curve here and seems to be learning a lot in that regard. Yeah, I, I think Morrell radiates more positive energy than Javier Baez ever did in Chicago. And I that is a knock on Javier Baez. I, I think that that guy was immensely talented, but I think that he would drag himself down so often by doing things that were easily preventable. Everybody in the city of Chicago wanted him to stop swinging at bounced sliders. He never did. He just did yesterday. We saw the video of James Karinczak getting him to swing at a ball that bounced 10 feet in front of home plate. That's who Javier Baez is. Morel chases a lot of pitches. He swings at a lot of pitches. But he also walks more than Javier Baez ever has, and he's a rookie. What Morel and Baez have in common is the infectious way they play baseball. I mentioned eye-popping athleticism. It is eye-popping. You mentioned the arm. He's got some of the hardest throws from the outfield. I think he's got three of the top five hardest throws from the outfield so far this year. Morel is a freak that can pump it in back to the infield at 100-plus miles an hour. He can hit the ball at 110-plus miles an hour. Uh, What he does, he's also fast as hell, I think is as exciting a brand as you can sell to Cubs fans. And and it's funny because he was just the tools guy with with no production. Not no production, that's harsh, but without the the belief that the hit tool would be there. You know, I really didn't think it would be. So you know it. 
you know it firsthand. Cubs fans and Cubs prospect people follow the Cubs as closely oh, as yeah. any other team. They oh, are yeah. on Cubs prospects. And last year, you know, you were hearing about all the blue chippers. And then another name that they would toss in at the very end is I also kind of like what Christopher Morrell's doing. Too. But it was it was never the same level. You know, it was never yeah. the same level. And I think it was because of the hesitancy with with the bat. But again, you talk about him being aggressive. He was so aggressive before that even the 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 tempered down aggressiveness that he has is allowing the tools to shine through and the production to shine through. And I, I think you could say the same thing about Jose Miranda at number eight, who is our our eighth ranked you know rookie here. Dude, Miranda was was arguably the best hitter in the minor leagues last year, and it's been more of the same this year. Uh, but now, after a, a little bit of a rough first month or so. What Miranda has done over the last two months is a joke. He's a huge part of what Minnesota is doing right now as well. We talk about Duran and being a big part. So is Miranda. Over his last 40 games, which is 140 plate appearances, 328, 386, 539 slash line. That's a 165 WRC plus with a 16% K rate. This guy has figured out how to carry over what he was doing in the minors to the big league level, and he's going to be a good hitter for a long time. The numbers get better as you increase the sample size. Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic, last 55 games for Jose Miranda, saw that he was slashing 331, 379, 564 with 43 driven in. He is, a, and, and Aaron proved it in his article about Jose Miranda a couple of days ago. You can read it on The Athletic. Um, Jose Miranda is the best rookie that the Twins have had in decades. He's phenomenal. And it's so nice because I, I still really do believe in Alex Kirilov. I, I do. But he can't stay healthy. He finally just bit the bullet and got the wrist procedure done, threw in the towel on this season. Yeah. Royce Lewis, we know how good he can be. Obviously has his injury issues now, second ACL tear. I'm happy for Twins fans to have one of these rookies kind of come up and and play a big part in what they're doing. Uh, one of the homegrown guys that they've been excited about now for more than a year. Uh, homegrown guy that you've been excited about for more than a year. It segues nicely to Bobby Witt Jr., who, you know, number seven is a great spot to be with with the guys that are ahead of him. Obviously, I think a lot of Royals fans would, would have been hoping that Bobby Witt would be the runaway rookie of the year favorite. I talked about it. I, you, you might remember, like, we, we were talking about the preseason stuff on the Just Baseball show, and I said, hey, Bobby Witt's going to take a little bit of time here, I, and I think that's okay. And that's exactly what kind of happened, and – He's turned the corner maybe even quicker than I thought he would. Um, and that's not a knock on Witt. I, he was our number one prospect. He was he was my number one ranked prospect in baseball. And I don't regret it. Uh, I think he's going to really break out in a big way next year. He's worked through some swing and miss issues. They started him at third. Now he's at shortstop. He's still putting together a nice season. And he's a phenomenal defender. He does it all. He's a five-tool player. And we're seeing all of those five tools start to really break through. Yeah, I mean, the underwhelming performance of Bobby Witt Jr.'s rookie season could still look like 260 with 25 doubles, 25 bags, 20 homers, and 70 driven in. At and the a near 3F war. Yeah, I am cool with that being an underwhelming season, and you know he's only going to get better. There yeah. is no shot that Bobby Witt takes a step back next year. I no. can't see it. No, you, you can punch me in the face if that happens. Yeah, like, I'm in. There's, there's absolutely no way. And, and this is another dude that's been much better over the last 40, you know, over the last 20. I think he's been even better than that. The defense really is a big part of it, too, because, again, this guy's going to impact 
every single aspect of the game. And that's really what made him the number one prospect for me. I didn't think J-Rod would be an elite defensive center fielder. Uh, some of the metrics may point towards, you know, Bobby Witt being a bit inconsistent defensively this year. I, I think he's going to sort it out and be just fine. I still think he's he's a plus defensive shortstop. And I think moving back and forth from third to short probably wasn't the most helpful thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be a great shortstop. He's going to finish this year, probably 2020. Um, and he's, he's going to, he's going to be a very, very good player for a long time. Yeah, I think so too. Again, it gets the nod ahead of him who, you know, he has to because of what he's done this year, but long-term probably not as good of a prospect or player, uh, but still a very nice story. And a guy we've been talking about since beginning of the season or since before the season, Stephen Kwan. Outfielder, Cleveland Guardians. It's hard to really refute 298, 371, 381 uh, with 17 doubles, nine bags, and more walks than strikeouts. Uh, That'll give you a 2.2 F4 with good defense in the outfield too. I mean, he he chases fewer pitches outside the zone than pretty much anybody else, uh, and he makes contact on pretty much every swing. It's Luis Arise and Stephen Kwan. And those are the two best bat to ball guys in all of baseball. And what I love about Quan is he impacts the ball so much better. I understand just two homers, but he impacts the ball in a way that isn't a joke, like David Fletcher or Nick. Yeah, exactly. You know no, what I mean? No, absolutely. It's like those guys could hit 320, but they're slugging 320. Quan can hit doubles. Quan yep. sprays line drives. It's not slow ground balls that get through the left side of the infield. Juan is a legitimate everyday outfielder. I thought that we were going to see a platoon outfielder. I didn't think that we were going to see the development of an everyday outfielder, but it looks like Stephen Kwan is going to be playing 150 games for the next 10 years. That's what kind of game he plays. And I love it. It's refreshing. We talk about guys that are just like, you know, good to even out the ball game a little bit. I mean, Quan, give me all the Quans and Arises in the world. I, those guys are fun. But nothing pains me more than watching somebody with a David Fletcher type of profile just hit the ball. You could tell it's max. Like they they barreled the crap out of it. It's nearly the maximum, you know, output they could put, and it dies at the warning track. Like yeah. when Stephen Quan gets one, It'll leave the yard. I mean, we, we saw it last year. He mixed in enough home runs for me to say, hey, you know, I believe in, in this guy being able to impact the baseball enough. He had 12 home runs last year. He only has the two this year, but he has, what, 23 extra base hits, yeah. uh, more than enough power to split the gap and, and have the outfielders chasing. And that's all you need when you have the kind of contact ability and speed that Stephen Kwan has. Another guy that I think could be a three-win player almost every season for the next decade. And you don't really have to wonder, you know, how, about consistency or anything like that. I'm with you, man. I'm telling you, much like Kirby, this guy is turning into one of my favorite players because he plays the game of baseball and the brand of baseball that is so fun. And we are skewing so far in the opposite direction. It's really nice to have that reversion back to a Stephen Kwan. Absolutely. And, and here's the guy, you know, it's funny. Another just we're on a segue like kill streak here because my favorite player to watch right now, one of my favorite young players to watch is Michael Harris. Um, yeah. I, I really started to get the bug of enjoying Michael Harris clips and games when I was tuning into double a games, uh, you know, keeping up with the blue Wahoos, keeping up with you know some of the other teams in double a that I like to watch. I start seeing more of Michael Harris and I'm like, man, this guy's fun to watch. You're seeing him run down fly balls in center with ease, almost reminiscent of, you know, Andrew Jones with the way he just glides out there. But then you watch his left-handed swing and you're like, this guy's doing things with pitches that most guys can't get that kind of swing off. 
And then you're seeing him connect and, and launch some homers that have some tape measure to them as well. This is one of the more exciting young center fielders in the game. And if J-Rod wasn't doing what he was doing, you could say that Michael Harris is the most exciting, you know, defense and offensive outfielder right now coming up through the ranks because he is as elite as it gets defensively. We're talking about tops in the league and now it's above average and center, but now he's also mixed in 10 home runs. He's an aggressive hitter. He's not going to walk that much, but he's making so much contact that it doesn't matter. Michael Harris is going to be one of the better center fielders in baseball for a long time. Michael Harris kind of feel like Luis Robert to you. Like Robert seen... was supposed to be like at this point. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously not the the tape measure shots. Harris can get into some baseballs. He's not going to hit balls 480 off the bat at 115 like Luis Robert. But Luis Robert in 2020 won a gold glove, finished second in rookie of the year voting and was the everyday center fielder top of the order bat on a team that could realistically make it deep into the postseason. Right. Michael Harris is a top of the order, everyday center fielder, gold glove caliber, rookie of the year runner up on a team that can legitimately make it deep in the postseason. It's the exact same situation. That's the most impressive thing about it, right? Is like we're not seeing the best of Michael Harris yet. This is a what is he 22 yet or is he still 21? I think he's still 21. This is a 21 year old who got brought up straight from double Jack. So like not only did he go straight into a competitive situation where he needs to help right away. And when they promoted him, we talked about it. I thought it was really just, hey, we need that glove first center fielder with some speed. He can be our ninth yeah, or whatever. Hit ninth, yeah. hit ninth and you'll hit well enough. Just get Duvall out of center. And we, we saw before Duvall got hurt, he ticked up offensively for moving away from center. He's done everything and more. And, and I think we're just getting the, the appetizer to what's going to be a very, very good career for Michael Harris. Again, I, I'm, I sound like a broken record, but it's because of the influx of young talent that is taking baseball by storm because we're still at number four. And this is somebody that we've been just banging at the, the table about since before the season. Jeremy Pena, he's been everything that we were hoping for uh, this year. We knew that there was going to be some inconsistency offensively, given that you know he missed a majority of last season after a hot start in AAA. You know, he missed 2020 like everybody else did with the COVID short or COVID canceled season, but then also missed a majority of last year with an injury to his wrist. So not that many minor league ABs and has really held his own. This is one of the best defensive shortstop prospects I've seen. That was what really stood out to me when I was watching the video last year or going into this year was how freakish he is defensively. That is not really taken a step back at the big league level, 2.6 F4, but the power has played 15 homers. Uh, you know, again, the, the on-base percentage is an area where he can improve sub 300 there. But if you're hitting 15 homers and you're playing elite defense at shortstop, I'm willing to be patient on the, the consistencies uh, department as well. Yeah, I think so too. Now, my one question for you about Pena, um, he's hitting 191 since the all-star break. He's got a 248 clip on the year. Is he a 270 hitter or is he a 250 hitter in his career? Because I think that's a big difference for a guy that is 15 to 20 homers every year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the big question, right? And, and I don't know if I can necessarily answer that yet. You know, I I do believe in the bat. So I'll I'll put my name on 270, 260, 270. Okay. Remember it was a thumb injury. Um I was I was just like trying to remember what it was and then looked it up because I was like I wonder if it was a hand injury that hampered Penny a little bit. He is a very handsy hitter. Yeah. And and I wonder how much that's impacted him. Of course, 
could be ups and downs of being a rookie as well. But I wonder how much that's impacted his swing because he's such a quick bat and he's a guy that he's really barrel likes- flies through the zone. Why? So I wonder if there's just a little bit of that hampering the whip that that it, it's all it takes. You know that, man, like with this game, one millisecond slower and that can be all, all it really takes. But here's the thing. When he's not hitting premium defensive shortstop. And again, another guy that's played an integral part in a team that's looking at a World Series title. Yeah. Also kind of crazy. I was talking to Carter Bins, who's a catcher in the uh, Pirates. Yeah. Uh, Carter Bins, he said he's broken both ham eight bones. Oh. I had no idea how you break both. Because I, I understand you break both. You, you break it on your lead hand. You break it on your bottom hand on the bat when you're swinging. Um, but he said the other one, he thinks he he broke it when diving headfirst into a base. Wow. I've never heard of that. Which just sucks. Yeah. I've broken sucks. both ham eights. That, that sucks. Well, now he, they take him out. So he's got no ham eights now. Yeah, exactly. No like R.A. Dickey with no UCL. <laughs> Genius. Um, you know, we'll evolve eventually. Yeah. I think we'll evolve all humans won't have UCLs or we'll already have Tommy John surgery done. Uh, you know, God will take care of that for us. Uh, coming in number three, Spencer Strider, who, my goodness, man, this guy has been unbelievable for the Atlanta Braves and has really been their, their number two guy, uh, which, which is unbelievable. Uh, 89 and two thirds innings, three, one, one ERA. But the craziest part is that the, the underlying metrics point towards him actually, you know, funny enough, being unlucky, Jack, uh, which uh, unlike the Mets, who are very lucky, according to him, <laughs> one, nine, six, FIP, one, oh, five whip, 138 Ks, 34 walks, already a 3.1 F4. The fastball is outrageous. The slider is even more outrageous. The command is better than we thought it would be. Spencer Striders got what ace upside. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, 14 punch outs per nine as a starting pitcher. You serious? That's incredible. We we were talking about swingman maybe, but no. Yeah. No, like two or one. Like I I could absolutely see him putting together better postseason starts this year than Max Fried. I I wouldn't bat an eye if that happened because Strider already looks like that. Strider is your National League Rookie of the Year. Michael Harris is probably the runner up, but Strider is, uh, I think, the runaway favorite to do so. 13.9 13.9 punch outs per nine. And you think high strikeout with high velo four seam fastball. What do you think? If he misses over the plate, sometimes it might get hit out. He's faced 363 hitters, five home runs against him. Five. That's incredible. This guy is not suffering from the Achilles heel that so many high velo right-handed four seam guys suffer from. It's it's unbelievable. And it's just something that he has going on there where you just can't quite square it up. And if you miss the one he he puts over the middle, like the one fastball that he doesn't hit that's over, you're not getting another one because it doesn't walk guys. And he's gotten even better with locating. You better hit that one pitch or else you're screwed. And, and that's really what's what makes an elite pitcher elite. And Spencer Strider should be indicative to any pitcher that is trying to make it right now. If you're a high school or college arm listening to this, work on your legs. Look at his legs. They look incredible. He's got the beefiest thighs I've ever seen. Rob Friedman calls him Quadzilla. And we've talked about Jack Leiter's legs and how much attention he pays to his lower half. That's on crack with Strider. I mean, this guy has insane legs. He's getting that much drive, and he is able to tinker and pinpoint and get deep into games, run his pitch count up because his legs are taking the brunt of the load, and he's pumping 103 in there in the strike zone. 
it's it's unbelievable and he's really fun to watch i think people are really going to start to enjoy strider on the postseason stage uh for those who might not be watching him as much uh but i would love to see edley rutschman on the postseason stage uh and and hell man it it might freaking happen uh adley rutschman's our number two rookie and it's pretty crazy because he's only played 63 games right and uh, at the point that we wrote this 254 365 437 slash line, 22 doubles, five homers, 19 runs driven in. Uh, I tweeted something out over his last 25 games. That was as of yesterday. He was walking way more than he struck out. 27 walks, 14 strikeouts, almost a 200 WRC plus over his last 25 games. And the defense is as advertised. 93rd percentile in pitch framing and also just phenomenal catch and throw, limiting the running game. Everything that he does is what we were kind of hoping. He's reaching that 100th percentile outcome that we thought he could reach. I, his ceiling is is best catcher in baseball. And what's crazy is, Jack, how far is he from best catcher in baseball already? Not far. It's not a good position in baseball right now. And I think Adley Rutschman, since he has debuted, you could make the argument it's probably him and Kirk that are the two best catchers in baseball, right? And Real Muto sneakily just doing JT shit again. Yeah, and, and Will Smith is hitting like it, but, but Adley is a better defender. Catcher's catcher, man. Like switch hitter plus defender handles the staff well and hits. It's like Joe Mauer. I was gonna say. More. So is is the 100 percentile outcome for Adley Rutschman a switch hitting Joe Mauer with better defense? Yes. <laughs> like yes. Yes. And that's why he was considered one of the most highly regarded prospects we've seen in a long time. Um, really, I, in any other world, he's number one, but number one's a freak show. But to wrap up on, on Adley, I mean, is there any world where he catches J-Rod in this season? No. No, right? No. J-Rod's out. So that now would be the time to do it. And he's doing everything he can. But this is what he would have to be catching. 271, 334, 482. 19 doubles, 18 homers, 21 bags, and a 3.1 F4 to go with great defense in center field. J-Rod not only is, is the top rookie, it's one of the top players in baseball over the last two, three months. Um, this guy's going to win MVPs. I, I feel like I'm being like Mr. Hyper, hyperbole on this episode, but it's, it's, it's the rookies that are doing this to me. It's, it's got- the talent that we have in baseball that's doing it to me. I, if, if I could take a bet, a future bet, Will J-Rod win an MVP in his career? I'm absolutely yes. saying yes. yes. Um, this guy is so freaking good, and he's doing everything that a player could do to impact the game. Can you pull up his numbers over the last, like, 40 games or 50 games? Because he did start – he did go through a little bit of a lull, and then after that it was just a joke. It's just been a total joke. Thank goodness he's not hurt uh, for any prolonged amount of time. I think our, our hearts collectively sank when we thought he might've broke his hand. But I mean, this guy is just, it's one of the most exciting players in baseball right now when you're watching J-Rock. Yeah. Uh, Listen, you set a very high bar for yourself when you call yourself the J-Rod show. Um, He's walking the walk. He's good, man. Uh, I'm going to set a date range. You want me to start what? June one. Yep. All right. Uh, Please hold June one. 2022 through 8-10-2022. Julio Rodriguez is uh, hitting 275 with a 544 slugging. He's got an 895 OPS, 12 bombs, 
34 RBIs, seven bags in his last 48 games. And with elite defense in center. Yes, elite defense. Now, since June 1, let me just tell you, there are three guys with an OPS over 1,000. Your Don Alvarez has an 1126 OPS. (laughs) That guy's a freak. He's such a freak, dude. That guy's a freak. Um, But, I mean, J-Rod hits the ball hard. He runs hard. (laughs) Like, he runs really fast. He's got a great arm. He is everything you could want in a baseball player and more. Um, the J-Rod show is here, man. And I'm really excited to see the Mariners in the postseason. And I think he's going to take the postseason by storm if they can make it. Who's got louder tools? Julio Rodriguez or Fernando Tatis Jr.? I don't know if anybody has louder tools than Tatis. That's my question, too. Like, I, I think it's probably Tatis. But Tatis is the gold standard in terms of tools. Like, I think Julio has as loud a tools as Ronald Acuna. Yes, I, I think louder. I think he's somewhere between those two guys. Uh, what's crazy is is insane. I, I watched J-Rod, dude. We, we were at the Mets game, and I watch him hit this line drive homer, and it, it gets out in half a second, yeah. hits the seat just right, you know, in the outfield, and kicks up like 50 feet. And I'm just like, I've never seen that. Maybe it was like a, you know, a weird circumstantial thing that the way it hits the chair, but I was just like, this guy does things that you just don't really see. Tatis is in that department. Acuna is close, yeah. but I don't know if he's quite in that like never before seen category. I think we saw it in the Derby with what you know with what J Rod could do there. I, I think J Rod's just a little bit more interesting, and which is crazy to say. That's not a slight of Acuna. That's not recency bias either because Acuna has been a little bit iffy lately. Yeah, I think that J Rod's just a bit more dynamic and just. A, bit bit more impactful i i think i'm with you um yeah so that's our top 10 list uh two promotions that i want to run by you here um jared schuster from double to triple do you see that no i didn't see that i think he's ready i mean look he's nothing jumps off the page but throws a lot of strikes works really quickly and and his stuff is it's tough to pick up. It's it's tough to pick up he repeats his arm slot well I, I i'm here for schuster i think he's gonna be a good big league starter for for a while I think he's going to be a good big league starter too. And then the last one, Andy Rodriguez, who I know you were really high on from high A to double. He was hitting over 300 in high Dude, A. I, we've got, we've got a lot of the uh, just baseball staff uh, and especially on the breaking side of things in terms of cards, the guys at wild cards. I told them to buy some Andy last year, buy some Andy Rodriguez cards. They took that way too seriously and spent like several hundred on like his out of five and like, you know, like all of his refractors and whatever, like trying to paint the rainbow with Andy Rodriguez. So, yeah. you know, now now they're like, oh, Army, better be good. I was like, I didn't tell you guys to, to blow hundreds, but he's been everything I've, I've hoped for and more. And now that's really nice because now I'm worried. I don't want them to get mad at me. But Andy went on a ridiculous stretch in high A after a slow start, started launching home runs, just switch hitting catcher who could play Almost every position too. I think he's playing a lot of left right he's now. Playing left, he can play second. He can, like he is an insane athlete. Speaking of like positional moving and stuff, one last guy I want to shout out promotion wise and might be on the yeah. show next week. I, yeah. I've been trying to time up with Casey Schmidt, and and it's been my fault. I last time I hit up hit Casey Schmidt, his family was in town. He's like, just give me you know maybe next week. Next week he, he had something come up. Like I I've been timing it poorly, but Casey's going to come on at some point this season. He's in the Giants organization. I've talked so much about how much I love his glove at third. And guess what the Giants did, man? They move him to short. I think that's a little bit of a testament to how thin they are at the position. But 
Casey Schmidt playing short, if he's as good as I think he can be there, the bat's legit. He's got 17 pumps this year. If he's a good defensive shortstop with his bat, he just became a much more interesting prospect, obviously, as a shortstop. Uh, really excited to see how Casey Schmidt does a double now where he just got promoted. Is Luciano going to move to third? I think so. I think they might flip-flop. But what, when's the last time you've heard about a third base prospect moving to short? Usually it's shortstop moving to third. Yeah, no, I, I don't hear of third base prospects moving to short. No. So there are a billion shortstops, but the Giants might not have a billion shortstops. They might have a billion third basemen. Exactly. So it, it, when I look at the Giants, they definitely don't have shortstops. So yeah. they they move Casey Schmidt there. I think he can do it. And I'm really excited uh, to see how he adjusts there. And I'm really excited to have him on the show, hopefully soon. Uh, I, we're, we're aiming for next week, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but very much excited to talk to him because he's an awesome dude. That'll do it for this episode. If you want the full article, it's linked in the episode description. So check that out at JustBaseball.com. It is officially top 100 update season, and we are really deep into it. I just wrote up Harlan Susana, who probably won't make our top 100, but is in the Nationals update that'll be out uh, tomorrow. Um, And yeah, very excited for this top 100 update. We will talk to you on Friday more about prospects. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.